having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So the evangelist St. John begins the 13th chapter of his gospel, which recounts the beginning of the Last Supper, when our blessed Savior not only established the Eucharist, but also instituted the sacrament of holy orders of the priesthood. Some people, when they are buried, have an inscription written on the tombstone, which is meant to somehow convey to sum up their life. A priest who has been called to serve God's people as shepherd should want no other epitaph, no other eulogy than that line from the fourth gospel. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. St. Joseph of Faso, the pastor of St. John Bosco, when he was growing up, quotes in his book on the priesthood a saying often said by St. Francis Xavier, to go to the ends of the earth to save one soul and then die is a lot worthy to be envied. St. Francis Xavier was a missionary. St. <coughs> Joseph of Faso rarely left his parish, yet this phrase moved his priesthood for his entire life. Christ selected 12 men to be his first priests. We know their names as well. Some of you are even named after some of them. He chose them. I have chosen you, you have not chosen me, he said to his apostles. He called them by name because he saw each individual the promise of a saint who would help in the building up of the kingdom of God. He did not ask for reference or letters of recommendation, nor did he require resumes. He interviewed none of them. Instead of going to the library at Alexandria or the government buildings of Rome or the universities at Athens or the desert community of the Essenes, he went to the docks, then to the tax offices, then back to the docks. Since he was God, he could not make a mistake. He saw each one of them. He called to be an apostle. A largeness of heart that he required to be servant to all. And a docile mind to instruct the world in the truth of the gospel. Judas Iscariot was no exception. When our blessed Lord looked at him in the beginning, he saw no traitor, no betrayer, no greedy heart, but instead he saw Saint Judas. 
three years later, three years of intimacy with Christ, witnessing his miracles, hearing him preach, receiving his friendship and affection, he betrays him for money, for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus did not make a mistake in choosing Judas. Judas made a mistake in not choosing Christ. Judas was the first bad priest. His despicable deed demoralized not only the other apostles, but the disciples as well. But he was one of 12. One of 12. Scandals involving priests appear in the newspapers and are featured on television news programs and interview shows. The media thirst for such news. The enemies of the church rejoice in the sins and misdeeds of priests and attempt to use them to build a wedge between the priest and the people, to demoralize the laity and discourage vocations. We would be mistaken if we were to think that this is something new. Remember Father Judas. Saint Catherine of Siena told Pope Gregory the Eleventh, uproot in the garden of Holy Church the foul-smelling, the malodorous flowers, full of impurity and avarice, swollen with pride, that is the bad priest who poison and rot the garden. Ah, you are gardener. Use your power to pluck out those flowers. Pluck them out and throw them away. St. John of Capistrano was even more blunt. He wrote, truly the unclean, immoral cleric is to be trampled underfoot like worthless manure. Hell, it is said, is paved with berettas. Yet, St. John Chrysostom said of the priesthood, the most high and infinite good God has not granted to angels the power with which he has invested priests. St. John Vianney said, if I were to meet with a priest and an angel, I should salute first the priest before I saluted the angel. And St. Teresa kissed the ground when a priest had passed. St. Peter Claver was a Jesuit priest who served the black slaves of Cartagena, Colombia. He wrote in a letter, yesterday, May 30th, 1627, numerous blacks brought from the rivers of Africa disembarked from a large ship. When we approached their quarters, we had to force our way through the crowd until we reached the sick. 
Large numbers of sick were lying on the wet ground, or rather in puddles of the mud. They were naked, without any clothing to protect them. We spoke to them, not with words, but with our hands and our actions. And in fact, convinced as they were that they had been brought here to be eaten, any other language would have proved, proved, would have proven useless. Then we sat, or rather knelt, beside them and bathed their faces and their bodies with wine. We made every effort to encourage them with friendly gestures and displayed in their presence the emotions which somehow naturally tend to hearten the sick. Of the priest's ordination, as on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the Ruah of Almighty God, more powerful than the mightiest F5 tornado, more awesome than the greatest earthquake, seizes the young man and recreates him in his very essence. The man is changed. The change is not temporary nor transient. It is permanent. It is eternal. It is ontological. A priest is changed by his very essence. So he becomes not another Christ, an alios Christus, which we are all called to be by reason of a consecration of baptism, an alios Christus. But the priest becomes the other Christ, the altar Christus. The priest is the shadow of Christ. Christ is a priest because, not because he is God, but because he assumed our human flesh. He is a priest according to his human nature. St. Augustine taught that Christ became a priest at the moment of his incarnation when the very word of God became flesh. He was ordained by the Holy Spirit in the cathedral of the womb of his virginal mother, a direct consequence of the hypostatic union. Damien de Voister was a priest. He is the apostle of Molokai, whose statue adorns the hall of the U.S. Capitol representing Hawaii. He volunteered to help work among the lepers at Molokai. Father Damien was an enthusiastic priest who was anxious to work among them, to teach them as far as he could to heal them. The first person he met a young girl whose body had been half eaten by worms. The stench 
in the village was horrific. So Damien protected his own health and lived away from them in his own house. So to be sure to keep his health, that he could help them. Our Lord appeared then to him and gave him a choice. He could work among the lepers like a social worker and do great work teaching them, helping them farm, helping them build their buildings. But he would convert nobody. Or he could ask God to give him leprosy. Then he would convert them. Damien chose the second. He asked God to give him leprosy. Damien became a leper. Became one of them. And he converted all of them. Well, some years ago, I was asked to celebrate Easter Mass at the Missionary of Charity Convent on New York Avenue. The young people of the parish go to this convent once a month to help in the soup kitchen. The mass was for the neighborhood vagrants who attended the soup kitchen. When I drove up, I was dressed in a cassock. I saw the people there, lots of them, lined up waiting for food. And I noticed that I was the only white person among them. I had passed through them to get to the convent. Would I make some small talk? What, about what? The Redskins? The weather? Their investment folio? So as I made my way through them, and they parted to make way for me, I noticed that they were alcoholics, they were ex-convicts, or they were people who should be in prison but who, who never got caught, prostitutes, drunkards. And then I came to the end, and there a large man blocked my way. He had bloodshot eyes, and he wouldn't move. He looked at me in silence. Then he grabbed my cassock, and he kissed it. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.